The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Kotke Ride Home for Thursday, January 21st, 2020. I'm Jackson Bird. Recharge rooms are helping frontline healthcare workers cope with the continued toll the pandemic is taking on their well-being. How bats are helping scientists create better biologging instruments and the discoveries being made with that technology. The nonprofit working on a coast-to-coast entirely off-road bike trail across the U.S. And the inevitable generator that transports Senator Bernie Sanders and his folding chair anywhere in the world. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. As the pandemic continues, frontline healthcare workers are past burnout, and experts are starting to look at a future of long-term mental health effects similar to that of what we've seen from 9-11 first responders, even over a decade on. To mitigate some of the mental and emotional toll being taken by medical professionals, a team of artists, technologists, and scientists collaborated last summer to create Recharge Rooms, nature-inspired multi-sensory relaxation spaces built in underutilized rooms at hospitals where healthcare workers can go for 15-minute solo hits of scientifically optimized relaxation. The recharge rooms at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York are a collaboration between Mount Sinai Director of Rehabilitation Innovation, David Petrino, bio-experiential tech company Studio Elsewhere, and musicians and sound designers at EMBC Studio. Quoting Wired, The rooms use biophilic design principles, or decor that mimics nature, and the idea is that this can support healing. Morel Phillips from Studio Elsewhere designed comfort and tranquility spaces to connect healthcare workers to nature to offset the hospital's otherwise sterile environment. Biophilic design is also more than adding plants to indoor spaces. It's an interior design philosophy intended to improve people's mental and physical well-being. When you walk into a recharge room, a fire is crackling. You instinctively lean forward. You hear the sounds of a forest, crickets, birds, and even butterflies fluttering past. Your mind, once a fraught jumble of stresses and worries, clears as your shoulders relax. You're now focused solely on the scene in front of you. When staff in Mount Sinai hospitals walk into the room, technology takes over. The rooms are voice-activated through Google Home, so workers don't touch anything to avoid spreading infections. Visitors typically spend 10 to 15 minutes in the space, which is sanitized after each visit. End quote. A study of the recharge rooms published in the journal Frontiers in Psychology found that just 15 minutes in one of the rooms at the end of a shift can reduce stress by as much as 60%. Phillips said that the rooms saw 600 to 900 visits a day over the summer, and they're working to make the rooms permanent fixtures both at Mount Sinai and at other public hospitals, with a focus on ones that serve at-risk populations. Now, while frontline healthcare workers are definitely at the top of the list for folks who need recharge rooms in their workplaces, I do think this is the type of thing that should be prioritized in most workspaces going forward. 
And I know some already do it in different ways. I experienced a room similar to this in Google's Zurich offices a few years ago. I think it might have been billed more as a nap room. I don't remember what the label said, but it was a strictly silent room with the only light coming from an aquarium set into the wall. There were some soft nature-inspired sounds playing and a bunch of cots for people to just chill out on or grab a quick nap. As we look at new approaches to workspaces and general work life in a post-pandemic world, I think recognizing the necessity of spaces like this one for the mental and emotional well-being of workers will be crucial, especially in high-stress lines of work like the medical field. Biologging. That's what it's called when scientists place some kind of instrument on an animal to study its movement, behavior, responses to various stimuli, and more. It can often lead to discoveries we wouldn't otherwise be able to make. For example, a study in 2015 kitted black bears out with heart rate monitors and observed how the bears responded to drones flying overhead. Now, while the bears did not have any outwardly observable responses, their heart rates did elevate dramatically. And that's the kind of thing scientists would not have known without the heart rate monitors. But in addition to these scientific discoveries, as Kate Sanchez writes in The Verge, biologging instruments often tend to make for funny or adorable photos. Like in a study from a few years ago when scientists wanted to study how heat moves through ocean currents, and they essentially put little antenna hats on the heads of seals. Link with photos in the show notes so you can experience that dose of joy yourself. But the animals who've helped scientists explore some of the most cutting-edge biologging tech recently are bats. As tiny nocturnal creatures who can be pretty tough to observe, they make for great test subjects for tracking wearables. Biologist Simon Ripperger, who has been working for the last few years with engineer Nicholas Duda to create a wireless sensor network called Dulog, said, quote, If your project can succeed with bats, it can probably work with most species. End quote. And quoting The Verge, the data collected with Dulog tags can be downloaded remotely, meaning that after the initial attachment, scientists don't have to wrangle animals to retrieve data from their tags. They're also smaller and lighter than current GPS tracking systems that enable remote downloads. The bat pictured would fit in the palm of your hand, and the sensor weighs less than a gram. What's most exciting to Ripperger is that the tags talk to each other, meaning they can be used to track the social behavior of tagged animals based on their proximity to each other over time. So far, the Dulog system has been used in studies that have produced some delightful findings. Mother bats guide their pups from roost to roost. Formerly captive bats maintain their social relationships when released in the wild. And bats exhibit social distancing behavior when they're sick. After these bat-based successes, Ripperger and Duda hope to soon start selling the system to researchers for use with other animals, both large and small. End quote. And here's a little more from Ripperger on that social distancing thing, specifically with regards to vampire bats. Quoting an interview he did with Silicon Labs, We used our wireless network to observe bats' social networks and how they're affected when a bat is sick. We gave half the group an immune-challenging substance, a substance that doesn't actually make them sick, but makes the immune system react. With our high-resolution data, we could observe what happens to the network when the bats get sick. We found that their social encounters decreased, what we call social distancing. And after this period of sickness, the level of interaction with the sick bats went back to normal. Essentially, we found they managed to distance themselves from the group when they feel sick. End quote. 
Ripperger emphasizes how much can be discovered about social behavior of animals with the use of this proximity tracking technology. He says the sky's the limit on applications. We could learn more about mating behavior, information flow, and maybe even try to prevent the spread of infectious disease. It is all definitely fascinating, but I have to admit the main reason this caught my eye is because in the first book of Mike Resnick's steampunk Wild West series starring Doc Holliday, this bat tracking concept actually happens. In the novel, Thomas Edison, who has been dispatched by the U.S. government to build military tech in Tombstone, Arizona, invents a tracking device that he attaches to Bat Masterson, who was cursed and turned into a vampire, meaning he transforms into a giant bat every night, wreaking havoc on the town of Tombstone. And this novel sounds so much weirder when you have to describe it out loud. That's not even the weirdest part of the book. But in any case, bat-tracking wearables are no longer just the stuff of fiction, and I'm glad that this technology is making strides so that we can keep learning more about the other animals we share the planet with. I once read a zine-turned-book by Matt Goke called Next Stop Adventure that recounts the time the author set out to bike from Savannah, Georgia to Coward, South Carolina. And like most accounts of someone biking upwards of a few hundred miles across state lines, it is a grueling tale of mishaps and injuries that somehow still manages to inspire with that sense of wonder and awe you get from endless moments of solitary introspection while pedaling across America. Such endeavors are common among a certain type of person, and there are endless resources online mapping out various routes that can be taken to get from coast to coast on two wheels. But the nonprofit Rails to Trails Conservancy wants to make this dream a bit more accessible for more people. They've embarked on an ambitious project called the Great American Rail Trail, which will connect existing rail trails to create the first ever trail that is 100% bikeable all the way from Washington, D.C. to Washington State. The 3,700-mile trail will go through 12 states along the northern middle of the country, from D.C. to Maryland, Pennsylvania, and eventually continuing on through Illinois, Iowa, Nebraska, and then finally up through Montana and Washington. Because it's working off of 145 existing trails, and in most cases just working with local towns and trail managers to connect them, the entire trail won't be the same uniform surface or design. But most of them are rail trails, or multi-use public trails created from former railroad corridors. And once the whole thing is complete, the entire route will be separate from vehicular traffic, which is one of the major differences of existing long-distance routes, which often include large swaths along the side of interstates. The trails will all be open for walking and rolling as well, not just biking. And while the grand vision is coast-to-coast bike trips, the trails will also be used simply to revitalize towns, drum up tourism, and encourage alternative forms of transportation in between neighboring towns. Quoting the BBC, The Rails to Trails Conservancy estimates the trail could generate as much as $138 billion for communities that build campsites, eateries, and water and other adventure companies along that route. End quote. The founder of Rails to Trails, David Burwell, said of the Great American Trail when the initiative was first conceived back in the 80s, quote, One day you could go across this entire country on flat, wide, off-road paths. I want rail trails to be America's main street, end quote. 
The official route was announced in 2019, and largely thanks to the 145 existing trails the route is including, the Great American Trail is over half completed. As of now, there are 1,900 miles of the route open for use, including some stretches as long as 50 to 100 miles. You can explore the route to see if there's an open section near you and watch its progress over the next several years. It'll probably take the better part of the next two decades to complete in its entirety. But even if you don't live near the ultimate route, Rails to Trails website and their Trail Link app have information about other trails all over the U.S. and general tips on using trails and advocating for more trails in your area. If you've been on the internet at all over the past 24 hours, you have probably seen the buzz about Senator Bernie Sanders' inauguration wardrobe and the relentless parade of memes that he's left in his wake. Senator Bernie Sanders, ever a practical utilitarian guy, showed up to President Biden and Vice President Harris's inauguration in Washington, D.C. yesterday, wearing his usual winter parka over his suit. Nothing too remarkable here. It was very cold in D.C. yesterday. It even started snowing briefly while Senator Amy Klobuchar was introducing the affair. Although that might have been more to do with a spell put on her that makes it snow anytime she gives speeches outside and less to do with the weather. I'm not sure. But since most attendees were decked out in their winter inauguration best, with fashion blogs tweeting out the many designers and stylists responsible for the impressive looks of, in particular, Vice President Harris, Dr. Biden, and the former First Ladies, Senator Sanders' trusty parka, standard blue surgical mask, and oversized mittens made from recycled materials by Vermonter Jen Ellis stood out just a tad. His look stood out enough to be both seriously, I think, included in fashion wrap-ups of the event and became the most memed image of the whole day. Impressive for a guy who was just a spectator at the event. There were a few images of Senator Sanders that got spread around, one of him clutching a manila envelope and his inauguration ticket while making his way to his seat, which was accompanied by tweets like this one from Marie Faustin, quote, Bernie dressed like the inauguration is on his to-do list today, but ain't his whole day. End quote. And the other photo was of Senator Sanders having found his socially distanced folding chair, arms and legs both crossed, mittens on full display, eyes staring into space, combined with the white background of the risers and relative lack of other humans in the shot, the whole vibe really seemed to hit people on a deep level. Tweets and captions flooded social media as President Biden took his oath of office, and by the time the inauguration ceremony ended, Senator Sanders had been photoshopped onto every major landmark, popular TV show scene, and album artwork known to Earth. Inevitably, several generators launched so folks without Photoshop could easily plop Bernie and his chair onto any photo that they wanted, but software engineer Nick Sawney took it one level further. He created a generator that allows you to type in any address or location in the world, and it will create an image of Senator Sanders sitting there in his folding chair, thanks to the magic of Google Street View. Now, even with having been totally inundated by Bernie memes for the past day, I still found this creative spin from Sonny to be pretty funny for a few minutes. So link in the show notes if you want to try it for yourself. And if you enjoy it, consider throwing Sonny a few bucks because using the Google Maps API apparently ain't cheap. Personally, I think Sonny missed a real opportunity to include Senator Sanders' other famous meme featuring the same parka, the I am once again asking for your financial support one. Free idea for the taking. 
That is it for today. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and Kotke.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I hope you have had a great day, and I will talk to you again tomorrow. 